Feel I'm on the verge of some great truth Where I'm finally in my place But I'm fumbling still for proof And it's cluttering my space Casting shadows on my face And though I have the strength to move a hill for you guys tonight um you know i haven't been podcasting as much because i've been focusing on writing but when my listens on a certain uh, podcast on the previous podcast get to a certain number i always make another one because it means to me that there's an appetite for it and i always sort of feel inspired by that I always feel inspired by what work I'm doing and the people I'm working with and the things that I'm learning and they're learning. And I just feel excited to share that. And I think today's uh, podcast is going to be called Psychedelics, Science, and You. And it w- it's been inspired by a few uh, experiences I've had lately with people. And mostly... It's inspired by my experience of people's identities being formed by memories and biographies and often traumas. Uh, People I work with often, they're working through traumas. And traumas really get people's attention in their formation of their identities. They really impress upon them. Uh, who they are and what they're dealing with and what they're struggling with and what they're struggling to understand. And I know that Jung, Carl Jung, thought that traumas were tied in with fate. That if you were had traumatic experiences, whether they were death of a, of a, of a parent or... A sibling or you were abused in some way or you had an accident or your family lost their fortune or you know whatever it is that you've been through that has impressed upon you that there's a difficulty in your arrangement of yourself Jung believed that that was a faded experience that that was designed in your life to make you aware of what your transformational capacity was going to be. And I agree with that 100%. That basically, most people's misunderstanding about themselves is that they, they refer to their traumas and big and little. 
Like, you know, it can be massive things. Like I've had clients who were uh, near Chernobyl when it melted down and had to grab all their stuff in an hour and came to the United States not speaking English. And I've had, you know, I've had my own traumas. You know, my father died when I was quite young. I was very close to him. And, you know, a lot. And But sometimes traumas can be kind of clever and insidious. They don't have to be big and dramatic, though they often are. They can be abuse, physical or sexual abuse. They can, but oftentimes they can um, be camouflaged by things like a lack of empathy for the deeper aspects of who a person is and a child is. So when a child comes into their life and the people around them aren't super empathetic to how sensitive they are or how refined their intelligence is or how uniquely creative they are, it can be super traumatizing because it makes them feel unwelcome and it makes them feel unknown by the people around them. And that can also be traumatic, even if the people around them are well-intentioned, even if the people around them are thoughtful, even if the people around them are sensitive themselves, but they're distracted by their own struggles. Those kind of traumas form our sense of ourselves and they can really limit our sense of ourselves because they're so painful and they're so dynamic in our experience that it's hard to experience ourselves outside of the awareness of that suffering. But that then creates this kind of sliver of awareness of ourselves because we're tending to that wound. And it's so painful, we're either tending to it or we're avoiding it. And we don't really often experience the totality of ourselves, which oftentimes are far more profound than the parts that are wounded. The size and the breadth and the power of the self with a big S which was also kind of a Jungian concept, that there's something eternal in all of us that gives birth to this lifetime. And, and that that is the organizing principle of our existence, not our circumstances, not our parents, not our culture, not our friends, not where we're educated, not our vocations, but that there's this organizing principle in all our lives. And one of the things that I work with, with my clients that is so profound, whether they believe in these concepts or not, is that everybody is born with these transformational potentials in them. And everybody's is a unique arrangement. And everybody pretty much knows what theirs are. But oftentimes they look at these things as intractable structures in their being that can't change because they're constantly referring to them for, for a perspective on themselves. But how I understand the work that I do is that those things are there to be transformed for something larger, for something more profound and for something more eternal. That whatever your traumas are, whatever your intractable sense of yourself is, because you think like there can't be anything to me beyond this kind of 
narrative that's so profound and so ingrained in my sense of myself. Well, I, what I like to say to people is those things happen so that you can transform them into something and a a kind of awareness that's so much more profound than the circumstances that you found yourself in. And it's like you are looking at the movie screen only and you're not looking at the theater that you're in and the state that you're in and the city that you're in and the country that you're in. You're just looking at the movie screen all the time and saying the the movie on the on the screen is who I am so use one of the things that psychedelics does is it really does show the relative nature of your identity and the narrow scope of your awareness most of the time it happens for me it happens for anybody that uses them thoughtfully they will show you that You know, they will show you that there are states of consciousness right outside your front window or right outside your movie screen that you're usually not paying attention to. You're not drawing from and you're not being informed by. And, you know, I had interesting conversations this week with people who, you know, I use astrology in my work and sometimes people because of the cultural Um, cliches of astrology, if I say that to them, that I use that, they go, oh yeah, I don't want to do that. And they may not want to work with me. Um, And that, and they're oftentimes people who say, I don't believe in astrology, but they certainly do believe in their addictions or their compulsions or their uh, depression. And astrology is something where you can see the unique structures in somebody's consciousness that are the transformational capacities and are usually the sources of pain as well. It's easy to see that in anybody's astrology chart without talking about their sun signs. And so using that with psychedelics, it really shows the unique transformational challenges that each person has. And, you know, one of the things that I like and have liked to teach people when I work with them is you know another of uh, Jung's contemporaries was Einstein, and they actually had a lot um, of of intercourse intellectually. And Jung came to think that that the f- psychology of the future was a combination of psychology and quantum physics. And obviously, one of the things that Einstein theorized was that there's no such thing as matter, that everything's just energy. And things that are moving more slowly are perceived by our senses, by our physical senses, as as matter, as real. But they're not. They're they're fluid and they're uh, energetic and they're um, in a state of flux. But our senses, which are a result of our orientation in the physical world, and they condition our brain to perceive things a certain way, tell us that things are static. And they tell us that our narratives about ourselves are static. And that's where people get stuck because they think that things are built with cement and iron and wood, and they're not. Things are happening in a river, and things are also happening in a kind of energetic feedback system 
of your life. And it's like a sound garden. It's like designed to feed back to you about how you think and feel and understand things. And to let you know that this is a limitation in your belief system about yourself that's been conditioned oftentimes by pain, oftentimes by misunderstanding. And one of the ways you can, you can decondition yourself to that in a variety of ways. You can do it intellectually by talking about things like quantum physics or psychology, or you can have experiences like with psychedelics or with meditation where you really talk, where you realize the relative nature of your standard state of consciousness. And none of these things are, should be an escape. Psychedelic shouldn't be an escape. Intellectual, uh, Processes shouldn't be an escape. Meditation shouldn't be an escape. What they should be is they should be processes that add information to your normative state so that your normative state absorbs these experiences and absorbs these insights to change. The goal in all these processes is to change your normative experience, your day-to-day experience. It should change. These psychedelic experiences shouldn't be phantasms that don't mean anything afterwards. They should actually be present in the days and the weeks and the months afterwards. Your meditation shouldn't be a escape from the world. It should be something that you bring with you into the world and is, is present in all your experiences. And it's not that way for me all the time by any chance, by any means. So I know what it's like to struggle with that. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things that's happening now and is just going to be a quick mention in this podcast is the science of psychedelics. Like there's a lot of discussion now about neuroplasticity, default mode networks in the brain, neurochemistry, and there are always going to be physical correlates for states of consciousness. That is what science really is. It's, it's a physical understanding of, of the consciousness of existence. That's what Einstein understood, that underlying everything, underlying every, uh, everything you encounter, every place you can find yourself in this life, after this life, before this life, is a unit of consciousness that permeates the entire physical universe. Um, and is known to quantum physics that 99.9% of reality is not physical. So even though that's 10 billion light years wide, that's like one, that's 99.9% of reality is beyond that. So my point in saying that is that these stories that we tell ourselves, they cut us off from our origins. They cut us off from the realities of our origins of our consciousness because nobody's who's listening to this podcast, nobody's consciousness began when they met their parents or began at birth. That's a myth. That's where most people's problems start. That's a secular materialist myth of existence. And you know, one of the things I've talked about in podcasts before is that you is that people have been able to look into atoms for 40 years with electron microscopes, but there is no scientific consensus about what holds an atom together. 
They've not been able to come up with one. It's not gravity. It's not, it's not anything. But the consensus is, is that it's intelligence. And each one of us is in this like quantum soup of intelligence. Every single one of us that our individual consciousness is relating to and feeding into and being fed back to, to know what it is that that unit of consciousness is trying to transform in its understanding through each one of us. Each one of us is like a scout for it because it can only learn in physical reality. That's why physical reality exists so that it can learn transformational processes through each one of us. So the thing to understand is that you're part of a team in a way. We're all part of this team for this unit of consciousness. And each one of us is trying to transform something separately in ourselves so that it can learn how that happens. And so part of what happens in all our experiences is we have a challenge posed to us that's unique to us. That's sort of what astrology has shown me is that everybody has their unique responsibility on what it is that they're trying to transform. And they're holding their end of the rope, trying to make that happen for everybody. That's really everybody's vocation, is what are they able to transform in themselves that they then can communicate to other people so that other people don't have to do it, but they can access it and they can harness it for themselves. That's the, like when people say, what's the meaning of life? That's the meaning of life. But each one of us is literally in this quantum soup, in this energetic reality that is feeding back to us what we're understanding and what we're not understanding and what we're, we've already transformed and what we haven't yet transformed. And each one of us is in this feedback system and nobody can help us in that system except us. And the way to help yourself in that is to recognize the relative nature of your normative state and know that it's a state that isn't fully informed yet, that it's working on informing itself more and it's working on taking things on. See, you hear that? That's validation that it's true. That's working on taking things on that it hasn't taken on yet, that it's working on expanding its responsibilities of understanding and comprehension. And all of us, every, single, every person you know, has been in that experience during their entire lifetime, no matter how they understand themselves, no matter what stories they tell about themselves, no matter what accomplishments they've, they've achieved, no matter what they've struggled with, whether it's addiction or trauma or abuse, everybody's in a feedback system trying to transform what they don't understand into what they do. It's an alchemical process. You know, um, Jung, my favorite word, I've spoken about this before, that Jung used was he did not think that insight helped people heal. Like knowing what happened to me or knowing, knowing who did what or knowing how I became how I became. He thought what really transformed people was called a metanoia. And metanoia 
was a transformation of consciousness where the problems from the previous state in the next state weren't even problems anymore because it, they were no longer pulling on that state of existence. So what he was trying to do was sort of have a quantum leap happen where I'm like this, I'm like this, I'm like this, I keep working at it, I keep working at it, I keep working at it, and I become something else entirely. And my work with people is all about that. You know, I remember I had this dream once and I think I heard the story after I had the dream, but the dream was of a more thunder. I like the thunder, it's a nice affirmation. The dream was, it was of a mouse that was in a bowl of milk and it was swimming and swimming and swimming and swimming and swimming and trying not to drown. And then at a certain point from all the swimming and all the churning, it had created butter underneath itself. And when it realized it was butter in the bowl, it just climbed out of the bowl and it stopped panicking that it was going to drown and just crawled up over the edge of the ball. And the thing is, all of our transformations are like that because we think we're trying not to be drowned by our biographies and our histories and our traumas. And by dealing with that and creating enough energy to want to transform it, we realize that we can transcend it through the actual musculature of our eternal awareness of our capacity to experience the origins of our consciousness. And then the thing we're afraid of, the drowning, is just something that we climb out of and we're safe. And that's what I wish for all my clients. That's what I work on in all their work is that the things that are troubling them, the things that bring them into uh, contact with me are really the things we use to transform their awareness. We don't have to, ex we can accept them. We don't have to deny them, but we also don't have to believe that that is a limitation that they'll never transcend because I don't believe that at all. I don't think anybody is really born to suffer. I think everybody is born with this capacity to transform. That is the most human instinct and the purpose of everybody's life. And that makes me optimistic about anybody's experience. That if they're willing to work with it, they can transform it into something that serves themselves and serves other people a lot better than their usual experience. And I wish that.